When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Bucks Nation. This is the Real Bucks Talk podcast. This is Michael Plus, joined by Mark Ramirez, as always. And Mark, we got a pretty good show lined up tonight. We're going to talk a lot of Buccaneers football. Uh, we have a special guest on in Chad Forbes, who we're going to get on here shortly. Um, he is NFL Draft Bites on Twitter and has a lot of good, you know, inside sources, good knowledge, um, and pretty much knows all 32 teams pretty well. So. Uh, this is going to be fun to have him on. And uh, first of all, Mark, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing good, doing yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, usual work week. It's good to be back on, right? It is. <laughs> I mean, the droughts, they're just too too yeah. long. Yeah. But it's always good to talk football. Actually, the, you got news coming out now. I mean, press right. conferences, Shaq Barrett's talking. Mm-hmm. You, you just got the, the feeling of, oh, good things. Yeah. It's always been, this whole offseason already has been that way because of the the new coach, the new direction, just mm-hmm. one voice, right? Yeah. So it's it's cool to hear, and I, I like I like arguing on on Twitter about right. oh who we're gonna take, and it's everyone already has their their opinions, right? But mm-hmm. I mean that's the good thing about the off season; we can all have our opinions, right? right. So yeah, exactly, it's fun, and I like it. Either way, we're all Bucks fans, mm-hmm. and we like to think we're always right, and we just like to argue and fight back and forth. But it's, we're it's, we're still fighting for the same goal of mm-hmm. being the best team we can be. Yeah, exactly. Right? But, yeah, it's, and it's good guests. Like, you always talk to them all the time on Twitter. So mm-hmm. I'm like, looking forward to getting to know yeah, them Yeah, well. Chad's going to have some good inside knowledge here, and it's going to be fun to just talk about, you know, all the things that have gone on this offseason with the Bucks and what he thinks of the staff and et cetera, and, you know, rumors of, you know, who we're thinking of in the draft and also, you know, maybe there's trades, you know, involving Joe McCoy or Cameron Brait. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he thinks about that. Yeah. A lot of questions to ask. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, let's get it going. Let's uh, we'll get him on here now. All right. Let's give Chad a little ring. Yep. This is Chad. Hey Chad. Uh, welcome to the show again. Thank you uh, for coming on and how, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Uh, awesome. Fabulous. Yeah. All right, Chad. So now it's me a first time officially meeting you. So with that, let me get to know you a little bit. So who are you, Chad Forbes, besides covering every NFL team just about? Well, that's kind of how I uh, I represent myself on Twitter. I also have a day job. So uh, I do this as a hobby that's over time kind of turned into a an opportunity to meet new people, and I found a few opportunities to make a little bit of money doing it. But 
at the end of the day, I'm not looking to transfer into it full time. I'll just kind of give you guys a little background how I got how I got started. And it's kind of Easter, I'd say 2000, I think 2013 or 14. I kind of saw Twitter as this like future medium for fans to come together and discuss football. And it was replacing, you probably, you guys probably were on these sites, like Football's Future or various other forums around the internet where people were, really the hardcore fans were discussing football. Mm-hmm. And so I enjoyed that and the commentary was great, but I had a little bit of background, a few contacts, and it was Easter and I was talking to one of my buddies who works with Dolphins. And he basically gave me the entire terms of the Mike Wallace contract. I think this was 2014. I said, huh, I had about three followers at the time. I said, huh, maybe I'll tweet this and see what happens. I tweeted it, got like, you know, 300 retweets, and all of a sudden just this following started building. And from there, I kind of built out a little bit of a network and know some guys around the league and know a lot of the agents and, you know, try to, uh, try to generate some news and information and just kind of in a creative way discuss football. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Right? Yeah. And it's smart networking. That's that's the biggest thing is who you know, right? Yeah, who, you, who you know, and you got to have information to get information. You know, you got to... A little push and pull kind of thing? Yeah, it's a little bit of that. But you, you, they're not going to give information to somebody they don't think has uh, an understanding a little bit of what the league goes on, is going on. So you got to be... you got to have some sort of, you know, instrument knowledge of it. So I bet you guys mm-hmm. do with your podcast, spend more time, you know, reading about things than you do, you know, generating content. And just that's kind of the way to do it is... Even if you're going to be a casual fan or do it as a hobby, you got to at least represent yourself as having some concept of what the hell's going on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Or do you saying just don't be a belligerent drunk and just yell things obscene, uh, like like you do at the TV, right? Well, if if you want if you want more information with these guys, you better be able to have a few drinks because that's probably where the best information we'll ever get <laughs> comes out. But I was just down your guys' way for the East West Shrine game, which is always a really great event. I missed the Senior Bowl this year, but I've been in the past and. I mean, these events, you get more information and meet more people at those bars, you know, having scotchers than you do anywhere else. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah? Oh, yeah? Well, then I know what I got to do. <laughs> cool, cool. But uh, so you're a Dolphins fan then? No, I mean, I, I'm How did agnostic you... now. I grew up a New York Giants fan. And uh, I, I like to say that after the first Super Bowl in 2007, when I was at that point, I was still a young guy. I, I kind of got the feeling of fandom where I understood what it felt like to win as a fan. And from there, I just kind of have become very impartial and uh, more opinionated about the direction of which, to, which way franchises are going and do I think somebody's doing it the right way or the wrong way. And sometimes I'm wrong, but uh, I'm definitely not really a biased observer, even though 95% of my Twitter following thinks I hate their favorite team. <laughs> That that's the that's just like people in general though. I mean, if you make an opinion, even though it's an opinion, people are just like, "Oh no, it's not what I want." So, yeah. rawr. It's I, <laughs> right, and, exactly. And like the more people, yeah, that get to follow you, it, it, it sadly it gets that way. But either way, you're just giving your own opinion. That's all it is. That's right. all. You know, your Twitter Twitter is like an echo. You know, an echo chamber. It's like well, pe- people just keep saying the same thing mm-hmm. over and over and dressing it up with different words. I find ninety five percent of the people that comment on football on Twitter, they're just they're saying what the last guy said. There's yeah. nothing new. There's nothing like creative. It's like, oh, great. Or they're just you know retweeting Adam Schefter. <laughs> so I try to be outside the box a little bit, and you know sometimes that gets me to you know rub up with some people that aren't happy about my opinions. But you know what? I've had a couple of people say they're going to sue me for defamation. But Damn. at the end of the day, it's all fun. It's football, and they're public figures, and mm. it's uh, it's a lot of fun being able to engage with the audience. That's very true. Yeah. And that, that's the cool thing about Twitter too. It's that big, wide open that you were talking about earlier. Like, you you have that many people looking, and even if they don't agree with you, they're now they're arguing with you, mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, there's no way." So it's like, 
a voice that you wouldn't have seen, mm-hmm. but now they are actually talking to you. That's the cool part of social media. Yeah, it's like me. Yeah, some, some people call you a troll, but, you know, I think people just take themselves way too seriously and are a little too sensitive. If you can't, if you can't deal with somebody criticizing the team you root for, then you've got bigger problems in life. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's like me and Mark when we're on Twitter and we're talking about just giving our opinion on Devin White and not wanting him at five. And, uh, you know, it seems like the whole fan base is coming after us now because <laughs> we just we just don't think the value is there uh, for a linebacker that is not even the best linebacker in this class, in our opinion. And, uh, you know, everyone now wants him at five just because someone, you know, the mocks are putting him there. So, Well, I mean, that's, no. that's our opinion, right? <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's interesting. I got Raiders fans asking, what should we do it for? And then there's people that say, well, what should we do at 16, 17? I always say, if you know a little bit about the class, build your board out to five and say how you how you would do it. Because that, that's the best way to be opinionated. So, for example, would you take Rashawn Gary over Devin White? Would I? I would you guys? The two of you. you you're, you're the I two general would. managers. Bruce and Jason Litch went on vacation. You guys are in charge. What is? Who are the top five on your guys' board? Oh, Quinn Williams is number one in my yeah, board. Yeah, Quinn Williams. Dick Bosa. Yep. Josh Allen. I put Jonah Williams up there. Oh, yeah, Jonah Williams. He likes Jonah Williams a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, I value edge rusher over middle linebackers, put it that yeah. way. and then probably Josh okay. Allen. Josh Allen would probably be next, and then probably uh, Brian Burns. And So you would take Brian Burns over Devin White? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. I technically wouldn't, but... Yeah. But then that's I mean, it. That's Jonah, where we Jonah def- Williams over Devin White's an interesting, interesting discussion because if you just look at the way consensus and obviously every single draft leads us a lot of surprises. I mean, who knows? No one thought Sam Darnold was going to get to three. But if you said Kyler Murray goes first, Bosa, Josh Allen, and Quinn and Williams go the next three picks, you know, at five, that's kind of how you got to, I guess, frame your choice. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, personally, I, lo- I love Devin White. I don't know what you guys are watching. And I think in Todd Bowles' blitz happy scheme, he'd be. I mean, he's explosive. I, I think he's a great player. So my thing of the Devin White thing is, so the three-four defense is pretty much built around. Okay, yeah, the middle linebackers and safeties are opportunistic people because of the edge rushers forcing everything in. So, like, you're going to build around your your opportunistic players, or you're going to build around where the strength should be, which is rushing the passer on the outside edges. Because we really don't yeah. have. An outside... I've watched a lot of bowls, Todd Bowles over the. The last three years, I'm a New York guy from the 516 number. You probably noticed <laughs> he's very good at manufacturing pressure, mm-hmm. right? And systems largely predicated on blitzing and being able to play man coverage and kind of disguise coverages on the back end. So, you saw that he brought in Dion Buchanan, which you know, that'll play as like money backer role. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, you look at what he did with the Jets, and now the Jets are obviously they you know, not a Super Bowl team, but he was getting pressure from guys that he basically picked up off the street, whether it was the you know, Brandon Copeland or Jeremiah Tachu, Jordan Jenkins in his early years. So I don't necessarily think the edge rusher in his system is as important as others. Now, if there was a corner there and you said they could find a man corner to put mm-hmm. opposite Carlton Davis, that's like Bowles' dream. But I just think Devin White and Levante David in the middle of that defense and the positional value conversation, look how much money Quan Alexander got from the 49ers or C.J. Mosley did for the Jets. Right. No, you're right in that. I mean – don't get me wrong, his ability is insane. Mm-hmm. Is his brain matching up with his ability? I don't think it's all the way there yet. And yeah, potential-wise, it is it is kind of through the roof. I can't, I can't argue that. Like, he has 
a lot of tools and traits that you you fall in love with. But it's like at number five, I don't know if I take a middle linebacker in a three four system to be my guy. I mean, it's it's more to me, yeah, because we had Jess Root on who follows the Cardinals and knows Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles. He was saying, yeah, you're like you were saying, cornerback, man, cornerback on one edge is pretty much what he loves. But then it's the linebackers, and I'm like, is it middle linebacker or is it the edge? He and he was like, yeah, well, in that system, it's pretty much just forcing pressure. Your your D, your linemen in the three four are pretty much three defensive tackles, and then you have your right. linebackers that want to force pressure. But I'm like, I just value the edge more. That may be my own personal opinion and belief, See, but it just. In his past, he's shown the ability to be very adaptive to his personnel. So, like, Gerald McCoy, will he be back? Because, like, that's going to be very intriguing and mm-hmm. kind of frames itself into If they draft Quentin Williams, I think Gerald McCoy is going to be cut pretty much the next day. So, mm-hmm. it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I don't think they're going to take Jonah Williams at five. Everything I've heard, they're not enamored with the offensive line class at top. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Cool. Nice little tidbit. Thank you. <laughs> so, well, that's a good question, though. So, would you even think Quentin Williams would make it? Two five. Oh, Quinn, Quinn Williams will make it to five for sure. Really? Mm. Yes. If if that's the case, I believe they should just run up to the podium. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that should be an easy choice. Or, okay, so well, okay, well, Quinn Williams is definitely. I call him the get it right pick. Where like, if you look at when Bruce was in Arizona and he missed on offensive linemen, whether it was early days like Levi Brown, Jonathan Cooper, the left tackle they have now, they drafted these guys that had like all these great tools but weren't good football players. With Jonah Williams, like people are like, oh, his arms aren't long enough. He's not the best athlete going with. No, he's just a really good football player. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. He's probably, besides Devin White, I like Bosa. But besides Devin White, I think Jonah Williams is my favorite prospect in the class. Jonah Williams or Quinn and Williams? Jo- Jonah Williams. I mean, I like Quinn and Williams a lot. but And for his value, he's, he's a great player. But the two guys that I feel the most comfortable about, comfortable on – I think Devin White, I, I just think he's a modernized version of Ray Lewis. Wow. Yeah, that was my big thing. I was like asking people who, in a 3-4, name a middle linebacker besides Ray Lewis who was really great. Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those two are really damn good. I, 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 I think Devin Patrick, White is. Yeah, Patrick Willis is everyone's really, comparison. Really special. Yeah. I think he's really special, and I think the idea that people are trying to compare Devin Bush with Devin White is just like – I kind of wonder what they're, they're watching. I, when I when I see Devin Bush running around, it's like he's like you got this long strider and Devin White who's like gracefully covering land, and then you've got Devin Bush who's like waddling to the tackle. It's like <laughs> I don't understand how you can watch the two of them and say, "Oh, that's my guy." Well, I mean, Devin Bush, Devin Bush, Devin Bush, I believe is he's either way he's like a heat sticking missile when he goes after a player. He's going all out. But to me, it's like Devin White just he just. He's very fast, but sometimes if you're going very fast the wrong way, I mean, I want your head in it first. I mean, there's times where he just looks like he's going to get – he's trying to run like a running back instead of run like a linebacker and reading the, the blocks, like the setting up blocks. Right. So it's like – I agree. I agree. He's, he definitely has a lot to learn, and I think that's why it'd be great to put him next to Levante David. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, Kevin Minter there is be a great mentor for him, LSU guy. Yeah. I, I love him. I think the guy's going to go to five or six Pro Bowls and – Hey, and, and that's, I, I, I feel really good about him as a prospect. And uh, no, everyone's got their guy, though. So that, right? that's the great part about the draft. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I mean, but that's the thing. Like, I don't disagree. There's a lot of things I do agree with you on. Yeah. It's just that at number five, if a guy's head isn't really 100% in it, like knows the position in and out, I don't know if I 
my personally would put it all in. Yeah. But, and uh, let me, and I'll just say this. I mean, you said earlier, Chad, that, you know, Arians has drafted guys with great tools, but not necessarily be a great player. And that's kind of how I see Devin White right now. He's good. Um, and he has the tools, but I just don't, I worry about his mental processing and his, and his lack of tackles, um, miss tackles a lot. Um, but again, I've been told that's something that can be coached up and he can, he can be fine, but I don't know. I, it just seems like a risk to me at five taking a guy like that. But again, like Jason Light has a good track record with linebackers. Exactly. So if he says at five, yeah. Devin White's my guy, I'm going to back it 100%. So, I mean, that that's my little opinion there too. But okay, we've talked about Devin White way too much. <laughs> so let's I go on. Hey, that, that's all you guys will be discussing for the next 23 or 24 days. Right. <laughs> Devin White's there at five. It's gonna, I mean, it's gonna, the story's going to get old, but it's still an interesting one to have. I know, I know. But – Let's get off of Devin White, linebacker yeah. at five. Let's think about the Bucks themselves. Like, so what do you how do you like the direction of Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles defense, Byron Leftwich calling the offense? how do you like this direction? Since you say you like looking at the broad scheme of things. How do you like I like, this, I like the staff that I like the staff that Bruce put together. I probably wouldn't have gone in this direction, but clearly they're focused on getting Jameis right and see what they've got there. And Bruce bought into the program, and Jason and him will work together. You know what's interesting is that somebody who's actually works for a team in the division, so a rival, said to me is that they're actually behaving. And he meant this as a compliment. The Bucks are behaving like a like a contending team right now. Mm-hmm. They're tied up. Against, they're tied up against the cap. They're not spending big in free agency. They're going after guys that fit their system, and they're keeping their own guys. They keep it Evans. They're keeping Marpet, and then they've got to say goodbye to Quan because they just can't quite afford him. So. And there's a lot of talent there, and if somebody could find a way to really cultivate it, maybe that is Bruce and, and Todd. You know, if he can get Jameis to play at the level that he's capable of, and I'm not sure he'll ever be a top you know, 10 quarterback, they could be a uh, a dangerous team in the NFC South because you can't deny there's a lot of talent on the roster. Absolutely, especially yeah. in offense. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you know, I kind of like I kind of like the defense too. I think Carlton Davis is a player. Mm-hmm. Anxious to see what happens with MJ Stewart. Love Levante David. I really like the pickup of Shaq Barrett off the edge. I think they've they're going to clearly commit a couple of the top top premium picks to defensive side of the ball, and they could uh, they could really be a contending team pretty quickly. No, and yeah. we voice the same sentiment a hundred percent. And the the talent is all there, and like it's. Shaq Barrett said it in his press conference. He's like, I, when I was looking on the Broncos, like they they've always had a lot of talent, but now we got the coach mm-hmm. and we got the system, we got the scheme. So let's go do it on the field. So it's like other players and teams are seeing, okay, there's a lot of damn good talent. What the hell? Why aren't they putting it all together? So was it all just team? I or not team coach? I mean, I think people would tell you a lot of it was discipline. They would say it's very hard to give a young kid a lot of money in Tampa Bay with all the beach bars and the other nightlife entertainment. And it's a city that they've had trouble keeping their guys focused off the field. And so some people would argue they needed a disciplinarian. I, I don't think that's the case. I just don't think disciplinarians really work in the NFL. So I think with Arians, they'll, they'll buy in. People love him. And the great part about Arians is if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out, it's not going to be a long drawn out process here. If he can't write the ship here in a couple of years, they're going to break this thing down to the studs. I think everybody recognizes that. Yeah. And then, yeah, disciplinarian, we tried that with Rex It didn't work at all. <laughs> at all. And they tried it with Josh Freeman, who 
obviously just crash and burned. Mm-hmm. So and so, do you really? So you're. Yeah, I want to hear your opinion on Jameis Winston then, because it sounds like you're not very high on Winston. It's interesting they hired a coach who was his offensive coordinator due to the relationship he had with Jameis, and then the relationship seemed to completely break down. And I just don't think he's made any progress on his fundamentals. He's still careless with the football. He holds on to it too long, takes too many snaps, takes too many sacks. And, you know, can it be coached out of him? He's still a very young player. He's played a lot of football, but he's a you know, 25-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. So he's got a chance. And, and I think he really, you know, the way that Bruce said that, you know, I've known the, known the guy since he was you know, 14 years old at a summer camp in Alabama, and we're both Alabama guys. I think Jameis actually needs that type of coaching, not the – friction that he had with you know the predecessor Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely no I agree with you there I think you know the problem with Jameis I I think you know part of it was some of the scheme and the the lack of creativeness in the route concepts that he was you know being asked to throw into a lot of it was long developing routes uh didn't have the greatest offensive line uh so far in his young career um no running game you know to be mentioned of so I think a lot of it some of it could be more help for him, you know, outside of his, you know, individual play. I think if he gets a little more help from the coaches, um, as far as the play calling goes, I think he'd be a little bit better. But also, I think I, I agree with you as far as his fundamentals being a little bit better and quick release and, and processing things. But now with the coaching staff fully committed to him, like it seems like they are, I think he's going to be better off for it. Yeah, and jumping off of what both of you are saying with the fundamentals – Bruce Arians even came out first, like almost like the first week of being hired, saying, "Yeah, he, we're going to get together with Clyde Christensen and mm-hmm. and Byron Leftwich and work on those fundamentals because it's little things that he can fix to get out of that situation to not hold on to the ball so long, just like you were saying." And then I like I like that fit. I like Clyde, who's right? a pretty easy, easy, innovative guy, and then you got Byron, who's obviously very relatable for Jameis, be a former player, and I just think the fact that he's He's gone from being a guy who busted in the NFL to becoming such a respected young head, a young coach, future head coach at this stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't. Um, uh, people weren't exactly, you know, lining up to hand Byron Leftwich opportunities after he left the league. You know, he, he busted. So I think he'll be able to relate with Jameis, and, and Bruce will still call that offense. Or he said he's going to hand off duties to to Byron. We'll see there. But you know, I just think that Bruce's system. You look at the guys that have had career resurrections in it and uh you know if Carson Palmer at 37 38 can do it why can't a young James Twitz absolutely exactly yeah I agree <laughs> I mean it's saying like he has like yeah then again it's a number one overall picks how many Peyton Manning Carson Palmer like Andrew just Luck. Andrew like damn this guy just he keeps stumbling upon him and this everything just magically falls into place uh yeah there's one person that we've all been saying it that could write Jameis Winston, get him to dial up like how he did in college to be that Heisman Trophy winner, to be that in actually NFL, it has to be Bruce Arians. Right, but, absolutely. Right. I think that, that's what he sold ownership on is that Lich gets to stick around. I'll work with him. And, you know, if we can just get past the fact that Jason Lich, like all general managers, made a few you know, mistakes, namely, you know, Roberto Aguayo. Mm-hmm. That's um, always the he, good He's team. actually, he's found some pretty good talent over his years there. Yeah. And, if you just look at the roster, and you know, obviously I understand rosters, it's not Madden, but the goal of the general manager is to stockpile talent for a head coach who can make it all work. And the talent's there. It's just for some reason, 
the coaching staff hasn't been able to put it all together. I mean, Mike Smith wasn't. I mean, he should have been out of the league like a decade ago. I mean, his system was just nonsense. And uh, Dirk's system, you know, over time it's had success in the NFL. But, uh, you know, I think that this new direction is going to be really beneficial. Cool. Yeah. cool. I mean, yeah, absolutely. we both agree on that. 100% agree on that. And then it's, to me, it's, Cutter also didn't really buy into Winston. He didn't want a Mariota in the draft, mm-hmm. correct? And Lovey made the final decision saying, I wanted Winston. Right. So it was another thing of being like, okay, well, Cutter is now stuck with Winston kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I, I just, the Cutter bad taste is out. I'm looking for a good new direction. Just a bleed, pure and red. Like, it's just, it's time for a winning team. Let's put it that way. We, we got the Rays winning. Yeah. We got Lightning winning. We need... Let's get the trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> so what, so what, what, what direction do you guys see them going in on day two and day three of the draft? What was that? What was the question? Where, where do you guys think they'll go day two and day three with their picks? Well, I mean, I, if it's going to be Devin White at five, um, like everyone's saying, I mean, is, is that what you're hearing? Is, is Devin White pretty much a lock at five? Is that what? Is that, that 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 is that is the word on the street? Yeah, Devin White is going five. The Giants even think he won't get them at six. So, okay, all right, in- huh? in- interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he's the pick, um, then I think day two we'll be looking at either you know defensive line, um, corner. I think that could be you know the odd man favorite or less like a Lindstrom. You know, the guard from Boston College is there. I think that'd be a great pick. And then day three. Yeah. Day three, I think it would be like, you know, just probably more, you know, linemen or uh, maybe a running back or, you know, stuff like that. I saw you guys actually in your on your stream mentioned Jerry Tillery. Yes. He would be a very interesting fit. Yeah, we love we love Tillery. Um, actually, I just uh, retweeted your your post about uh, the measurements and like mm-hmm. he's he's the perfect fit. I mean, he reminds me a lot of uh, Chris Jones. And uh, I think Chris Jones, Muhammad Wilkerson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we would love Tillery. I mean, that'd be a great fit. Either him or, or Dexter. People are knocking him saying, yeah, he's like too smart and has too many opportunities outside of football and may not be his passion, which I think is, you know, well, that, okay. Bruce Arian smiles even more then because he, he likes that. Right. That. Like someone's going to get a, someone's going to get a great value on him and, mm-hmm. I think it'll either be the Chargers sitting there at 28 or maybe the Bucks at 39. But, I mean, the guy tested off the charts, and it's evident when you watch him play that he's a baller. Yeah, yeah and the, sure. it just his ability to, to rush the passer at the defensive tackle position, too. Like, everyone's talking Ed Oliver, Quinn Williams, but he was pretty nasty rushing the passer at defensive tackle at 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, damn near 300 pounds, 295. That's 300 pounds. Like, he was dirty. Mm-hmm. And like that to me, that's three, four defensive end right there. Thank you. Yeah. Please talk, talk all the trash you want about him. We'll gladly take him. Yeah. But okay, well, here's another question: How far, just based on how bad, just because we're Gators, how bad Jakai Polite did in his pro day combine meetings, interviews? How far will he fall? Because I mean, that's another situation. That's like a Bruce Arians kind of type. Like, oh, he sees an immature guy. People don't like, but he gives a second chance. How far does he fall in your your opinion or what you're hearing? It's interesting. I, he looks like a guy to me that's just, first of all, he's very young, 20-year-old kid. He just looks out of shape to me, right? Yeah, he had a gut in that photo. He looks like a guy that probably gets, you know, in the offseason, you know, gets a little heavy, 
and then shows up to camp and plays football again. I, I think there's if you put him in the right room, and everybody always says give him the right defensive line coach, the right culture, and it'll work out. It'll be great. I think you put him. I think the Packers are sitting there saying, "Where should we take him? Should we take him at forty-four or seventy-five? And will anybody take him in between there?" One of these, one of these general managers that doesn't buy into, I guess, media narratives and understands it. I mean, it's unbelievable. But it's Tillery. Tillery has too many opportunities to pursue other careers. Or you know, uh, this kid, he's too young and immature. Like every prospect in this draft, <laughs> I mean, the personality they've not Chase Vinovich, you know, the kid from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's too interested in being a celebrity. It's like. What? When, when will people realize that they're young kids? And <laughs> I think we're being a little bit overly critical of them in uh, for our, as Peter's evaluators. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I agree. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, we both we both love Jokai Polite. I mean, we think he's one of the best pass rushers in this draft, as far as from just a pure pass rushing standpoint. I mean, the guy can get after the quarterback. He's got quick bursts. Um, it, it shows up on film. Um, I mean, if he's, he's powerful, there, yeah, powerful. Yeah. If he's there in day two, I mean, I would love for the Bucks to get him. I, I mean, in a world where, in a world where Dante Fowler Jr. gets you know thirteen or fourteen million dollars a year, you can't tell me you don't want that kid for four years, six, seven million. Like, right? right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just that's another thing. Like, the tape don't lie. So if you watch him on tape, mm-hmm. you see him with the motor running people down from behind. You see him pushing the pocket, spin moving. Like he's he's doing everything you want to see. Just because he runs a bad forty, yeah. what? what? Yeah. And yeah, but, okay. see, I, don't, I don't think it's overly complicated. I, you guys said to the agent, "We're going to write the contract with a lot of weight clauses, and he better be in shape when he gets to camp." That's yeah. it. Yeah, pretty much. This is your job and now. This have, isn't school. Don't have to play a thousand snaps as a rookie. Bring him along situationally and let him kind of grow into the position. But uh, people, you know, all these kids, and I think that's you know, Tom was saying that the draft process is too dragged out. We should shorten it. Have the draft earlier, which you know, what the NFL have to cover if the draft happened today, but it's like all these things, they just get dragged out to the point where we start criticizing, you know, all these guys. We're hearing complaints about Bosa, Quentin Williams, even Josh Allen. It's like, you know, at some point, do, do these teams like anybody? You know, are they just deleting <laughs> all this information to try to knock guys down the board? It's hard to figure out. But, right. Yeah. I mean, the only guy that, like, nobody has a complaint about is Jonah Williams. It's unbelievable. That's true. Yeah, Jonah. Jonah's my favorite prospect. Oh no! Yeah, there is. His arms are too damn short. Remember? <laughs> no, excuse me. His arms are too short. I forgot. Way too damn short. Like he's a damn toddler. Okay, <laughs> remember that. That's what everyone's saying. And that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's and his arms are too short because it's not fitting the prototype, which is he's not even a half inch shorter than what he has to be. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I can't I can't believe it. Some people some people question his upside, right? He yeah. doesn't have pro pro bowl type or pro, all pro upside, right? Okay, <laughs> if you don't have a left tackle, right, and you need to find one, you have to go into free agency and give money to guys like Nate Solder, Trenton Brown, or give yeah, what you guys Donovan Smith for him to come back, right? Yeah, it's very very damn true. Yeah. Trent Brown you got rather, way too much money. Would you much much rather have a Jake Matthews? Oh yeah, for the sure. Kid, the kid is Jake Matthews. It's like not even. I feel like every year we have this thing where we get really excited about the prospects because the underwear Olympics get us, catch mm-hmm. our attention mm-hmm. rather than realizing who are the good football players and we need more of them. And Joe Williams is a damn good football player. Exactly. You see, that's where I'm hoping the underwear Olympics helps us out. And like DK Metcalf just flies <laughs> up in the top five. And it's like, holy crap, he is Megatron. We need to take him now. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm, I'm I pray that something like that happens. But I mean, it's the draft. You I, never earlier, know what can happen. Earlier, decaf Metcalf goes, the be- the better it is for just the the community of Twitter. I want him to go second overall. That'd be so great. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine. That would be. Great. I mean, that would just be phenomenal. Yes. God. Yes. Like that. That is prototypical underwear Olympics. He won it. So he should be top five. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. But, all right, so you were also saying you like the, the Bucks defense. So you mentioned MJ Stewart. A lot of Bucks fans hate MJ Stewart for how bad he played. Obviously, you're a smart, educated fan and just look into other things and realize Mike Smith's defense in the system was just total crap. How I mean, you- I, you know, I think these kids come out of college and you put them in these intricate defensive systems and have them make a bunch of checks with other guys who are young, and then you got Brent Grimes up there being like, bro, I do what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not telling them about, you know, side adjustments and all that. And the kids get confused back there. And once you simplify things and just let them play football again, it'll all come back together. And Stewart was playing one of the hardest spots in that defense because there are so many adjustments, right? Route recognition adjustments and parrying stuff. And he's going to go back to something a little bit, a little more simple. Carlton Davis is a good player. They've got, I mean, I think Carlton Davis can actually be a great player. Mm-hmm. He's, to me, very exciting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love Levante David. And I, I just think with Todd Bowles, you don't need a, you don't need a ton of personnel. You just need the right, the right types. And I think, actually, the big thing for them is to find a way to get Gerald McCoy to buy into the program. Mm-hmm. Because I think if they lose him, and even if he's not a fit for the 3-4 defense, you could figure out a way to make it work for a couple of years, but I think he's still got a lot of good football left to play. He he's yeah. an immediate elite off the line, even though at his older age he still is better than most out there. Yeah, to oh, me, yeah, to, to me, yeah, he's a prototypical three four three three technique. But the thing, it's like to me, I just see like what Kim Dietschy was with the Cardinals, never really did anything, and he was a prototypical four three three technique to me. So like that's right. that scares me. That's the only thing. But and it's the defensive end pulls a hold up against a run. That's the only thing. McCoy isn't really known for that. He's known for shooting a gap, and he's in. So I, I'm with you. Like if he buys into the program and he actually turns into a different player, yeah, go ahead. Like I mean, will he do it this late in his career? We'll see. I mean, that this it is all question. Like, it sounds like he wants out. Yeah, it does. Like it sounded like that from after. Literally, not even the day after the game. The day of the after the game ended, he was already Instagram and stuff, and just acting like downing. And I'm like, and the, the guy that I don't know much about, I can't tell if he's part of the solution. What, what about Justin Evans? How's he looked? Just he he was hurt all last season, yeah. just about. But he's I mean, been, he's been inconsistent. But again, you you go back to the scheme he was in, and you know, you talk about communication and, and all those things, and it's a complex or I would say out overdated defense that they've been playing in so um but but i mean to that factor i mean mm-hmm. him and jordan whitehead were both two big hitters in college right and that's what they're going to be asked to do in this defense fly to the ball and hit mm-hmm. so i think they're two typical safeties that they would like but... I, I think nothing nothing caps up the dysfunction of the buccaneers the last few years more than the staff asking brent grimes to shadow a receiver <laughs> and his response being, I don't shadow receivers because you don't pay me like a number one corner. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> All That's that, it. In a nutshell. The, All... The, the, veteran, the veteran leadership of your secondary, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Yeah. And now he's gone and he's not on a team. 
and he wonders why. <laughs> but I mean, th- yeah, I ho- I'm hoping that all of the bad is gone, depleted. And I don't know if they're thinking if Jerry McCoy is bad or, or good. Um, he's always been good in the in the community and everything, but it's just does the salary represent yeah, I, the production? I just wonder what's right his now? what's his end game? Where does he, where does he see himself landing if he's cut? Does he want to go to like Atlanta or Dallas or where does he does he think there's more money out there than what the Bucks currently are on the books for him? Because thirteen million dollars, I mean. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And then to be sour, but I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. That's another thing that I, I, I'm like, damn, I don't want to keep talking about. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> what happens when it gets there, but. Yeah. I mean, have you have you heard anything as far as in, in trades? I know you, you sh- you've thrown out there that, you know, he's available for trade, but, you know, I'm, I'm assuming teams are just not willing to take on his cap hit. I mean, teams are just watching and seeing what's going to play out, and I think that if you're going to acquire him, you want to be able to have a conversation first, the way that kind of Robert Quinn went around visiting teams and the Buccaneers aren't going to let him do that. They're, they're going to sit there and wait until after the draft, see what happens and then go back to the drawing board with him. And I think eventually they're going to work something out. Cause he's a very he's, he's a good player. Right. And if there's some guy that you kind of should be able to play that recruiter role, you know, of come on down, you know, be part of the, be part of our team. It should be Bruce Arians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And it's a smart play to wait till after the draft too. And, that, and then also another trade bait, or someone you, I believe you've been saying has been on the trade uh, block, Cameron Bright. I mean, based on... Yeah, our, they're just they're, they're not going to get anything of value for him. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But it's um, just, just a $7 million off the off the books kind of thing? Right. And that was the... He was available, but this, the, the teams that came back to them were basically not willing to give up much more than day three picks. Mm-hmm. So... They're not going to necessarily do that at this time, but I could still see. I think the teams like Denver, for example, said we're just going to go cheaper at the position, right? Buffalo, mm-hmm. they said we're not going to give a pick. We're going to sign Tyler Croft, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Patriots, maybe there's some interest there you know, with uh, Gronkowski mm-hmm. retiring. But, you know, it, ultimately, I'm just not sure that he's worth $7 million and a draft pick is the way teams are looking at it, especially because <laughs> there's going to be like 15 tight ends draft in this class. and. Yeah, that's yeah, probably sure. one of the positions of strength. Yeah, it's a very deep one. Yeah, that that and then also, I mean, look at the trade value. I mean, I know Antonio Brown was being a pain in the ass, but they only got they traded for a third round pick to get the, like the most one of the top three wide receivers in the league. Like that that to me is a steal. And then uh, Jordan Howard went for a six round pick. I know he didn't have a good year, but he's. He's proven he can do it in this league, and he's not old. Was he another twenty-five-year-old guy, maybe younger? 20, 24 years old. Twenty-four. Two million dollars salary for twenty nineteen. Right. The Eagles are the Eagles are playing chess. Everyone else is just watching. They are. Yeah. It's just genius, and like them and the the Patriots are just they just find these. Okay, oh, you're gonna give us this guy. Thank you. We'll take him. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Trent Brown. They they got Trent Brown off a of trap practice squad, right? And he became their left tackle. No, they, they traded for him last year, right around the draft. The Forty Nine ers basically decided to quit on him. And what was it? They didn't really love him in that locker room, and the Patriots basically said, "Thank you." The Patriots gave them the, a third round pick, and they got Brown and a fifth round pick. So it ends up being they get they'll get a compensatory pick back, a third round compensatory. So they basically got a year of Trenton Brown and a fifth round pick <laughs> for That's nothing. Awesome. That's for, awesome. It was a rental because yeah. now they have their true left tackle in there, who they drafted already. Yeah, the Georgia yeah, guy. I mean, they're just you know the Forty ers though they made a lot of mistakes out there. 
you know, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan somehow seem immune to criticism. It's like, oh, no, give them more time. Everybody knows they've got six or seven-year contracts, so they're not going to get canned anytime soon. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's amazing. Those two guys, like, first of all, they leak everything to the big media. Like, they'll tell you basically everything besides who they're going to take about everything they think. So nobody will ever say anything negative about them. But, I mean, those guys are practically – they're really running that team pretty poorly. Hmm. Yeah, they just gave Quan Alexander $13.5 million. Yeah. I, I just don't think he's worth it. But that's a whole other story. Yeah, so, did, you guys, did you guys ever see that in Quan Alexander where you thought he'd get that kind of money? No. I thought I thought he was, like, fighting for 10. I I was thinking like six or seven million yeah. at the most. But I thought he would be fighting for ten. Yeah. But I, I didn't think that. Yeah. Uh, that's astronomical. I couldn't believe especially, that number. I laughed. I was like, no wonder Jason Light said no. <laughs> especially based on the film. I mean, it just it didn't back that up at all. I thought he would have fit perfectly in this system. I mean, like you're saying, a guy that sideline to sideline speed, fast. I think, for the I ball. think Devin White's a better player today. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's faster. He's bigger. I mean, that those two already is there. I, head game, I think they're similar. They're, they're just very missiles to the ball. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'd, I'd agree with that already. I mean, but then again, Quan was a fourth-round pick. Right. And, and that's my, my thing. It's like Jason Light just knows linebackers. So, if he does believe Devin White is your first pick, guys, I'm behind y'all. <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, it's the, like you said, 23 more days. Yeah. But uh, other than that, you got any more questions? No, I mean, he, he, you hit on a lot of things. I wanted to go back to your um, uh, original question that you asked a little earlier. Uh, day two, day three prospects. Um, what do you see kind of the direction for the Bucks on those on those days? Well, see, I, didn't, I wasn't really thinking defensive line, even though that does make a lot of sense because it is the strength of this class. I mean, just looking at the – it's very hard to sort out the direction they're going on the defensive line, just kind of all the mixing, mixing pieces they've got there on the roster, whether it's like – yeah, Nunez Roche is Nassib, Ledbetter, and Bo Allen. So very hard to project what they do on the defensive line. The names that I've got written down, I think safety is a huge focus. Okay. And there's going to be a cluster of safeties that go on day two in between there, kind of where they are at 37 and then they're in round three at 70. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like Deontay Thompson, Darnell Savage, uh, Jonathan Abrams. So that's kind of why I was asking about Justin Evans is how would he fit? Would he be the center fielder? Right. Or to be the box safety. And then 100%, they're going to go running back, whether it's day two or day three. The name I keep hearing is Daryl Henderson and David Montgomery. Yeah. But I think everybody else knows they're going to go around with Sanders and Josh Jacobs. Oh, yeah, every Bucks fan loves Josh Jacobs. <laughs> yeah, not at five, though, right? No. My God, no, no. I just saw the mock drafts. I was like, if y'all are thinking this, please stop. Like, no, that... Josh Josh Jacobs at five isn't as bad as a kicker in round two, but it's uh, <sighs> it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a miss. I mean, look at like Tevin Coleman, right? Yes. He's a good back from the Falcons. He just went out to the he just signed with San Francisco for like two years, ten million, like three million guaranteed. Like you can find good backs anywhere. Right. Yeah. So like, even if you get a Saquon Barkley, it's not it's not worth the. Uh, Commitment of uh, just top capital in the draft to that right, position. Right. The Giants is a whole other shit story. Like, what are they doing? Yeah, they don't know what uh, quarterback they're going to go with. They, they they draft a running back and then trade away the best other receiver weapon they have. I mean, I know the the coach actually looks like he knew what he was doing when he played the Bucks, but they again, everyone knew what they were doing when they played the Bucks. <laughs> so, I I just don't I don't get what the GM is doing. Do you, do you? Anything? He's, he is re- he is rebuilding a very weak roster. 
That's true. That's true. And I think if you gave them truth serum, they would say they probably should have taken a quarterback last year. You don't think? No, I think if you give them truth serum, they'd say, we recognize we should have taken a quarterback last year, but we did get a Hall of Fame caliber player. But it's and New York, and they year, wanted the most polarizing player. <laughs> who's that? Saquon Barkley. Oh, yeah, he's he's unbelievable. Oh, he is. Don't, don't get me wrong, but, like, was he the right pick at that time? No, no. no. I, I, was I, Darnold I, I, sitting there? Right. I think if they realize in hindsight, they probably should have taken Donald. And now I think they're struggling with this idea of, in a class where there is no franchise quarterback, do we manufacture one? That's what Dave Gettleman calls it. Where because you need one, you kind of find a way to create one in your head. Because mm. I'm, I'm just I'm not very high on any of the quarterbacks in this class uh, becoming, you know, no doubt about it, franchise quarterbacks. Uh, I think they've all got a chance, and I think all quarterbacks. That's what it comes down to: is what's yeah. the probability here? Mm-hmm. But you can't say with any reasonable certain, you know, cert- certainty that these kids are going to all work out as franchise quarterbacks, and, and that's concerning. Yeah, there's a lot more question marks than actually solid. Like, okay, this guy's got this, this, and this checked off. Yeah, yeah Haskins exactly. got si- Haskins got size. He's got a cannon, but uh, <laughs> I, I just there's a lot of things inconsistencies that I see and like not reading well, does, things. Haskins, does Haskins? Do you think Haskins is as talented as Jameis Winston? I don't think so at all. No. I mean, there there were games where Jameis Winston could literally manipulate people with his eyes, and yeah, there were times where he stared people down. But on the move, Winston's insane. If we have a quarterback or not quarterback, a coach actually knows what the heck he's doing, and how to utilize him best, and just the leader, the lead factor that James Winston has has the ability to get people around him and say, "No, I'm going to lead you and to get you to where we need to be." Like a lot of people laugh at his, "I'm going to eat the W's." But, I mean, that, that's just who he is. I mean, he's he's a leader. He doesn't care what the hell he says, but he's going to say it to get you to to get better. And that's what you need. We need it a leader on our team. If we had a Mariota, he would have gotten eaten up over here because we're just a losing, losing team. We would have continued. Did, did, we're still Deshaun, Jackson never, Deshaun Jackson never fit down there, did he? No. no, no. He was always an out, outsider. He didn't really want to blend. No. He's always him first. It's yeah. all about him. He first. There was no – I don't know if it was design, but he. there's no never going across the middle. He never has gone across the middle. But it's just – hey, that's D-Jax. Yeah. <laughs> He's where he wants to be. Let's let's give him that. Yeah, he'll, he'll be happy back in Philadelphia, I'm sure. Oh, no doubt. Yes, yes. Um, last question though: If Quinn Williams, like you said, is going to be there at five, they're gonna the Bucks are going to take him, right? Not Devin White. <sighs> Not certain. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Not certain. Not the answer I wanted to hear. <laughs> the pause made it. <laughs> I think there. I don't think he gets past the Raiders, Quinn Williams, but okay. I'm telling you, Devin White is, and I understand you guys don't think he's got great instincts. He was a running back until like three, four years ago. That's true, right? No, it's he, no doubt. He's he's rare. I'm telling you, he's he's gonna uh, here's here's what I'm saying right now. He's gonna get a gold jacket. <laughs> That's that. Yeah. You have your globe, or you're, you're looking through. Devin White's gonna get a gold jacket. That's a, that's that's my. All right. Well, we're that's gonna, my prediction for this draft. If if that's the case, yeah. I will. Forever be like, I'll shut the hell up. And well, when, when, Jason the Lynch, when Jason Lynch, who knows linebackers, takes the fifth overall, then you're going to know. <laughs> hey, I mean. All right, guys. Well, th- thank you for having me. Hopefully, we can do this again sometime soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely buddy. Yeah. yeah. Sorry we went over. All right, guys. I enjoyed the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Chad. Have, Have a good, a good one. Yep. 
Chad Forbes. Yeah, that was awesome. A lot of good insight. I mean, he is a very uh, intelligent uh, football insider. Like he knows. I mean, he knows things. And like, like you were saying in the beginning. I mean, he's got a lot of contacts. Um, knows, you know, worked his way up and 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 just found a way to get a lot of friends inside the league. And and that's, I mean, that's awesome. And it was great having him on. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, like it in this stage of the game, it's like. Everyone can hear things. Mm -hmm. I mean, he probably does have all these networks and, like, what's it called? Not um, options, but people he knows. Connections. Connections. Yeah, Yeah, connections. It's just like, okay, everyone's saying something. Mm -hmm. But everyone, like he said, could be saying it just to have someone fall. Right, exactly. Like, so we don't really know. Yeah. So he's saying things, yeah. Like, and a lot of the rumblings can be, yeah, Devin White. So if it's Devin White, like I said earlier, it's I'm I'm going to be 100 percent back it because I'm a Buccaneer. Right. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah, I'm just seeing based on what I see right now. If he the second he's on our team, yeah, I'm we'll, all about it. We'll be supportive. That's how I was with Kendall Beckwith. I, yeah. I honestly didn't think Kendall Beckwith or Justin Evans was yeah. that great. But then again, that's my opinion. Then all of a sudden, coaching got to it, and it was like, oh, but he's a lot better. Never mind. <laughs> Holy crap, these guys know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. So, hey, I'll, I'll gladly. Eat my own words, yeah, I mean, right? I'm going to talk with Chad later today. We're going to save this recording. And if he's a Buccaneer and becomes a gold jacket, I mean, we're going to have to talk with Chad way down the line. But we'll be like, we'll play this clip and be like, okay, Chad knew it. Like, yeah. <laughs> be like, this is it. <laughs> and I, I, to that point, I hope he's right. I hope, I hope he's hope, right. Yeah. Like, especially if we take him. Yeah. I hope he's right. Yeah. And I hope, like, same thing with everyone thinking, oh, we, Derwin James was our pick already. Well, I mean, but but he wasn't. He, right. he wasn't our pick. <laughs> so everyone right now is saying, oh, Devin White's our pick. Let's not mess this up. Right. How do you know? Yeah. Like, I, I don't – I'm not saying this to be an ass. I'm just saying it to yeah, be like – we we don't have anything against Devin White. Like, we love the kid. I love his uh, – I mean, he's got great leadership skills, it looks like. He's um, all football first. I mean, he's all in. He loves horses, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, he just seems like a really genuine – good guy um as far as the film goes i mean that's where we just we kind of have the question marks because like you said earlier i mean if you're going 100 miles an hour the wrong way i mean that could be that can lead to bad things and a lot of missed opportunities missed tackles um you know getting run on but then again he had 31 pressures over the last two years Mm -hmm. so he does know how to get after the quarterback uh when he's used as a blitzer he is good so maybe that's what they see and maybe that's how they're going to utilize him to his best ability. Yeah, and like so, we use this as like a running back term, mm-hmm. lightning in a bottle. Yeah, he is that for a linebacker for sure. Like a guy that size shouldn't move the way he does, and it's like an explosion. The yeah. second he puts his foot in the ground, he's going. Mm-hmm. There's no let me start to accelerate. It's just go. Yeah, and it yeah that that to me. Don't get me wrong. I am one of these guys that I love the elite talents, mm-hmm. elite traits. Yeah. And then I'm not going to knock it if we pick him. I'm going to be showing every clip that I can find of good. Right, right. But the only thing is, is like, to yeah, it's college. It's them before they get to the real job. Right. right. And I understand that. But to me, like, it's still my looking at evaluating players, which is I'm I'm a damn fan doing mm-hmm. this. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm just arguing with y'all. That's all. Yeah. Just to see... How y'all think it's not just, oh, because this guy said it. Mm. Well, tell me, like, okay, he still tackles high. He's going to miss some tackles based on that. Right. He's running the wrong way. He's not getting around certain 
like formations because he's not reading the play correctly. Mm -hmm. These are things where I'm like, okay, well, he's going to have to learn on the go with a Hall of Famer and Drew Brees is going to be telling him to look this way and he's going the wrong damn way at a million miles an hour, like I was saying. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be a learning curve. I hope he does get a gold jacket. Yeah. yeah but, right. I mean. For sure. I mean, the one thing that comforts me is, like you said, Jason Light does know linebackers. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what gives me hope, <laughs> you know. I But I will be disappointed if they take him over Quentin Williams. I mean, Quentin yeah, Williams I is would. just – I mean, that guy's – he's the best player in the draft probably. I mean, he's up there with Bosa. And I like that Chad, you know, defended Jonah Williams. I like that he thinks he's right outside of Devin White, the next, you know, best thing. He actually mm -hmm. called him the best prospect in this draft, yeah. which I, I can't argue because I love Jonah Williams. But, <laughs> you know, um, but, yeah, I mean. Uh, well, one thing I was wondering about was he was saying that we're going to look at safeties in the yeah. draft. I, I don't I don't know about that. I mean, well, the one thing that Justin Evans, Jordan Whitehead, and now Deion Buchanan plus Bryce plus Bryce. So yeah. we have four. MJ Stewart's moving to safety, and he to five. Yeah. So wh why? I mean, I did see the Arians comment about saying they're going to have four safeties on the field at times. So maybe that's a possibility. And there is in this draft class. There's a lot of safeties that can play nickel. You know, come down to the line of scrimmage and play that SAF kind of safety where it's short area. You know, up in there, up in the box. So there yeah. is a lot of players. I love Darnell Savage. I think. Oh, well, I know you do. That guy's great. Um, I'm glad he mentioned his name. Jonathan Abrams, another one that's just a fly around, hit you, and everywhere kind of player. So I could see it where he could go safety. I could see corner as well. And I like Rupp a lot. Hmm? Rupp, right? The Washington guy. Is it? Yeah, Taylor. Taylor Rupp. Yeah. Is it, yeah. Rupp or Rap? I think it's Rap. Rap. Oh, Rap. Yeah. yeah. But I like him a lot. I he's think he's good. like a quick twitch, just boom kind he's, of type of guy. He's really good. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, if only if, like, I, I would agree with that if a Devin White or a defensive lineman is taken with their first pick. Right, right. I just, manufacturer pass rush. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we have Carl Nassib and JPP. Right. Now Shaq Barrett, who we, we were going to do video on, but we're going to do that different yeah. Episode because this this one went a little long. Yeah, we ran long with chat. So. Well, I mean, I just hey, the draft. We're gonna be talking draft every podcast. Moving yeah, pretty forward. much from here on out. Yeah, it's called draft. We're gonna try to do more videos and uh, really break it down further. Um, I got to get back on track um, and get back with it. We've been kind of slacking here over the last weeks. We have vacations and uh, new medical you know, concerns and all sorts of things. So just, <laughs> just life in general has uh, kind of taken us up by storm, but it's, I mean, it's all good things, but uh, yeah. So we're just going to, we're going to hit it hard this next month. And the great thing is it's only about three or four weeks away. So um, that makes it exciting. And I don't know, have we confirmed, are we actually going to go to uh, Raymond James this year? Are we going to do that? Or we just haven't decided yet? Oh, I mean, We'll we'll talk about it after the podcast. Okay. I, yeah. I would say I would I would want to go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm about it. Yeah, so yeah, so we might be doing that a little different than our usual, uh, you know, past drafts. So, uh, but with that being said, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, be sure to check us out on Twitter. Be sure to follow Chad Forbes on Twitter as well. I mean, he does a really good job. puts a lot of good information out there. 
Um, again, like he said, not everyone's going to agree with it, and, and we don't either. Sometimes, you know, I argue with what yeah. he says, um, <laughs> but it's all fun. Um, and, and Chad has become a really good friend of mine, uh, and I always uh, look at him as a good resource. Uh, but be sure to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, at Talk. Be sure to follow this podcast on iTunes and Google Play, also Podbean. And if you did enjoy this episode, be sure to give us some comments, you know, likes, ratings, and five stars, please. We appreciate it. Um, and as always, go Bucks and, and have a great week, everybody. <laughs>